Welcome to The Real Estate Show with your real estate and mortgaging team, Terry Kalakos and Marav Marciano on CJAD 800. And a happy Sunday afternoon, everyone. You're listening to The Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Terry Kalakos chartered real estate and mortgage broker, as well as president of Northeast and CBC Alliance. Joining me in studio, we have my beautiful co-host, Marav Marciano, chartered real estate and mortgage broker and vice president of Northeast and CBC Alliance as well. Welcome, Marav. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful day. Absolutely. But like my grandmother used to say, it's got I knew which it. means... <laughs> the sun has teeth. So I was when like, it's, I know that expression. When it's like a fall or a wintry day and you see the sun outside, it's got teeth. It's gonna be it's gonna be cool out there. And it is cool, uh, but it's okay because we're approaching winter. So um what are we doing today? What are we discussing? Last week was interesting. I have to say we uh, we we hit a few uh, a few nerves out there. You think um, <laughs> we talked about debt consolidation. Yeah. Um People are very passionate about their opinions, yes. um, and uh, that's good. We encourage everyone to share your opinion with us. Uh, it did open, you know, more more subjects, and we figured we might as well continue the subject because there's a lot of people interested yeah. and actually uh, ashamed of uh, calling in or texting in. So we'd rather, uh, you know, answer those questions on the air. I had uh, this was a very interesting week for me, and you know, uh, for those of you who you know you've been listening to the show long enough, you know that everything that we do, we do this show because we want to make sure that we give back to the community, and we want to make sure that everyone gets the information that they need to get. And like you said, there's a lot of people that are ashamed; they don't want to call. They they think that people are going to recognize their voice or recognize by the text. I actually got quite a few calls this week uh, from listeners who needed further advice. And I figured, you know what, instead of us kind of going on and talking about something else, why don't we just do a part two to the show? Um, I'm going to share some of these uh, these stories uh, from some of these callers that came in this week as well, uh, just because I think it's important for everyone to, uh, to kind of, you know, be up to speed and, and, and know what's going on. Make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we're better off learning from each other, right? Exactly, exactly. Uh, you can join the conversation as well by calling into 514-790-0800 or you could text into 514-800. Don't forget to write your name in the text so that we can give you proper kudos. As well, you can visit us online at facebook.com slash northeast nordest and facebook.com slash CBC Alliance Quebec. And if you haven't done so, you definitely need to do this, which is subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is newsonthego.ca. Now, before we kick off today's show, uh, I do want to make a little bit of, a, of an announcement because uh, actually there's a couple of things, but we'll stick to one for now. Uh, and that has to do with fixed rates. And we talked a little bit about, uh, about it last week, and we said that interest rates were on the way up. And this week we saw it happen and we saw it happen pretty drastically. So where five-year fixed rates were just one month ago versus where they are today, it's a pretty significant difference. And we're talking a good 30 to 40 basis points in some cases. We're continuing to see the five-year bond yields go up and up and up and up. 
Now, the variables have stayed stable because the prime rate hasn't changed, because the Bank of Canada hasn't changed their overnight rate, even though inflation is going up. So 2022 is around the corner. Be ready. I wouldn't be surprised. At some point in 2022, the Bank of Canada obviously is going to come in. They are going to raise the overnight rate to take a, uh, get a hold of inflation. But the other thing that's going to happen is we're going to see the five-year fixed rates, the two years, the threes, the fours, everything. They are going up and they're going to go up fast. Uh, my prediction, I think that before the year is over, we'll probably see the five-year fixed rate uh, go above uh, 2.5, 2.6%. Um, but I do believe that it's going to drop back off again, interestingly enough. So here's Terry's prediction, by February or March. So although we'll see it go up, we'll probably see it drop back down. And that's going to have to do with the Bank of Canada uh, going in or the government going in and starting to buy bonds again. And that's going to be in the new year. Okay, let's see. There's Terry's prediction. Terry's prediction. Yeah. The good thing is all these shows are recorded, so. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, if I'm wrong, I'm just going to go back and, you know, er erase one of them. <laughs> I would never do that. No. But um, interestingly enough, um, the five-year bond yield last week, it was at 1.23. So last week when I made the kind of a little bit of a market update, we were at 1.23% on the five-year bond. Today, the bond is 1.37. Wow. So it's it's gone up. Um, I have a quick text here from uh, Tommy. Should I get fixed rate instead of a variable? I have now. If you have a variable right now and you have the ability to convert it to a fixed at a good rate, do it. If you're able to get a decent five-year fixed rate, do it. Right now, what's happening, the difference between getting a variable rate mortgage or getting a fixed there's a huge spread between the two. A variable could be even 1.35% you can get it at, maybe sometimes even lower. Uh, whereas a fixed, your chances, you know, chances are you're going to be in the two fours. So there's a 1% difference there. Um, if you take a variable, you'll be fine with it probably for about a year and a half. If you take a fixed, obviously it's going to be good to go for the next five years. And some people do, like I'm... I'm uh of the mind of knowing I like knowing my payments mm. so I have a harder time with variable uh, so everybody's different some people are okay to yep. save the money and take the chance and when they see it go up they're gonna take they're gonna pull the trigger at that point yeah and look we have variable rates on some of our properties mm -hmm. and it is what it is they've served us well uh, but larger properties with larger mortgages I tend to go fixed because I do want to make sure that I have that flexibility and or sorry not the flexibility I want to make sure that I have that fixed payment mm -hmm. um, I'll sacrifice the flexibility for that fixed payment Makes, Makes sense. sense. Yeah. Yeah. So last week we had uh, quite a bit of uh, texters and callers. We even couldn't get to all the texters. We might actually be able to uh, answer some of those from last week. Sure. But I think we ended off really talking about how it's important to consult the right professionals, speak to the right people, yeah. you know, have the right strategy. Yeah. Because, you know, debt comes with a psychological effect also. So maybe yeah. we could touch on that just to open up the show. So, um, interestingly enough, purely by, co you know, complete coincidence, uh, this week there was a trustee that came into our office. Uh, I don't mind saying his name. It was, uh, he was from uh, Group Serpone. It was uh, George Trijas. Tsikas. 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 Um, 
great guy, very friendly, very nice man. Um, I actually told him that we should we should get him on the show. Uh, and I said I asked the question because last week I specifically said you have to be very very careful about who you go and you see. And I asked them about these companies that advertise on radio and on TV and stuff, and they talk about consolidating credit. Now these companies, I said, what's the deal with them? And he goes, beware. He goes, most of the time, once these companies get into your credit bureau, exact, literally word for word what I said last week, when they get in there, they make a huge mess and then at the, they'll milk the customer and then, you know, move forward a little bit later, the, the customer has to go and do a consumer proposal or they have to do a, a bankruptcy anyways. So you have to be really careful where you're getting your information and a good trustee can really help out in a situation like that or a great mortgage broker can really help out. I mean, we, you know, uh, CPs and bankruptcies and stuff like that are literally the last choice that we give a customer. It does happen sometimes, yeah. but unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, but luckily I would say 70% to 75% of the time we're able to fix the situation without having to go there. Yeah, and uh, we even discussed other uh, other solutions. So it's interesting to, when you're working with a trustee, they're really here to help you, um, you know, get rid of those debts properly if that's your last resort. Exactly. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, talking about the psychological effects of, uh, you know, we've seen marriages dissolve from, you know, being in debt and bad, you know, decisions, if you will. We've seen suicides. We've seen all kinds of things happen. Yeah. It is absolutely absolutely important that you make sure that not only you get the help that you need for the underlying debt but you have to remember what we said last week if you could throw money at a problem and make it go away then it's not a real problem keep that in mind very important you're listening to The Real Estate Show with your real estate and mortgaging team, Terry Kalakos and Marav Marciano on CJAD 800. You're listening to The Real Estate Show, and today we're continuing last week's talk about debt consolidation. Feel free to call into the show with any of your real estate questions at 514-790-0800 or text into 514-800. And don't forget to write your name in the text so we can give you proper kudos. <laughs> you said that like a little leprechaun. <laughs> what happened there? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe my grade three teacher was, oh, no, was okay. right. No, no, we're not going there, Terry. <laughs> we're not going there. Yeah, okay. Um, so we have a, a, a great text, actually. Uh, they didn't put their name, but it's okay. So uh, reverse or regular mortgage for an elderly couple. What do you recommend? Simple answer? Both. So it, um, it's going to depend on a few different factors. One of the main factors is what kind of revenues does this elderly couple have? Do they have a government pension? You know, just regular kind of pensions that you receive, which is very limited. Or, you know, are they a retired teacher that has a fantastic pension? Are they, you know, do they have an employer's pension? So those, that answer 
will determine what my recommendation would be. So if they have a very basic government pension that doesn't provide them with a lot of resources monthly, I would probably recommend going the reverse uh, mortgage route. However, if they have a good amount of money that's coming in every month, uh, then at that point, I might recommend going the regular mortgage route or maybe a home equity line of credit. Hopefully that answers the texter's question. Excellent. And we had a couple of other ones if uh, you want to go through them. Um, yes, but I actually wanted to ask you something about refinancing because oh. uh, we do have a lot of people who come to our office asking to refinance in order yeah. to consolidate debts. Would you say that that's a good strategy seeing as rates is, are low? It is the strategy to use. So when you refinance a mortgage, okay, so a lot of people, first of all, they don't understand what the term refinance is. They think that when you re refinancing, you're putting on a second mortgage on the property. That's not what we're talking about here. Refinancing of a mortgage basically means that you're going to go in, you cancel the one that you have, and you set up a whole new one. Or in some cases, you can put on a second mortgage. But in most cases, it's more advantageous to just break what you have and set up a new one. Depending on the amount of money that is owed, in other words, depending on the amount of uh, money that we're going to be refinancing to pay off debts to, you know, even penalties are worth it. I have done mortgages where the customer had to pay fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars of penalties to their old bank so that we can do a refinancing. And it actually made sense just because the customer was carrying so much debt and it was having such a horrendous impact on their credit uh, profile. Yeah, I, uh, I agree with that. And I've personally seen it as well. Sometimes you add up all your monthly obligations and you're saying, I've got $3,000 a month of credit card debts and all I'm doing is paying the, the bare minimum. This is not going anywhere. And if I swallow it all up into the mortgage, now my payment is, I don't know, $1,500 a month. You just saved $1,500 a month of cash flow. That's right. Which is life transforming. Yes, it's 100%. Insane. I'm sure that most people can use an extra $1,500 a month. But this is the key. And this is something that we've always talked about. You have to remember what you do with that savings will determine whether or not what you've done makes sense or not right so if you go in and you refinance your property and you take that fifteen hundred dollars a month in savings and you go i don't know party it away maybe that's not the best kind of use of that savings but if you take that savings and you invest it or you use it to maybe accelerate that mortgage in other words pay it off faster now all of a sudden the effects are compounding one on top of the other you know, something as simple as taking that money and, you know, that savings and putting it into investments, into an RSP, will yield you a tax refund. That tax refund, then you could turn around and you could reinvest it and you keep doing that. And now all of a sudden, five years goes by and your life is completely transformed. Mm -hmm. Right. Makes sense. I like that. Um, we have a, a text here. Can I take a second mortgage on my house slash bungalow uh, to buy a duplex? Yes, absolutely. So you could take a second mortgage. You can break the one that you have and set up a new one. So you, in other words, you could refinance the property. And the beautiful thing, if you use the proceeds from your principal residence to buy an investment property, what was that mortgage used for? An investment. Which makes it? Tax deductible. Boom. There you go. I love that. Yeah. 
I, I <laughs> honestly love that. And uh, we've seen it with uh, with clients, and uh, they basically, let's say they have a $300,000 mortgage, 50000 of it was used to buy another property. They literally do like a separate amortization table for that 50000 in order to uh, present that to the uh, to the accountant as a tax deductible uh, portion of their mortgage. Absolutely. So I find that a very nice strategy, honestly. A hundred percent. Man, the texts are just like flying in here. I can't even <laughs> like. I'm. I'm. I know I'm going to end up missing someone. Uh, here's another one. Is there any hope for prices to go down anytime soon to allow regular working people to be able to at least buy a small condo? And that's from Sharon. So Marav, what's your thoughts? I don't I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news but I don't see the prices going down. They might stabilize, they might um not continue going up as quickly, but I don't see them going down to be honest with you. Sharon, I I I tend to agree with you, Marav. I think that prices are going to drop um only when inventory goes up. So once we see an increase in the amount of inventory of homes available and condos available, that's when you're going to see prices start to drop on real estate. And that's going to take a while. It will. The and, thing is, yeah. Sorry, oh, I'm so sorry. Go, on, go no, ahead. No, no. I think the problem is not necessarily the price of the real estate. The problem is the way that the government uh, qualifies you for a mortgage. Because of the stress test, it actually removed a good portion of hardworking Canadians from from the market. It's uh, And this is what triggered this whole situation in the real estate market was the stress test the minute it came in we just saw like a snowball effect and yeah i don't know if they're going to remove it (laughs) if they remove it it reopens the doors to regular working canadians yeah absolutely um we have uh, actually a follow-up to the previous question which was about uh, uh, regular regular or reverse mortgages uh, this is due to unexpected medical bills, pension, etc. Not enough to cover it. So, in a case like that, I would probably recommend a reverse mortgage, and we do them. So, by all means, I mean you can call me at the office. Our number at the office is five one four six eight zero forty six seventy four. You can call me. I'll happily sit down and I'll 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 look at the the, the situation. Uh, from A to Z to kind of determine what's going to be the best course of action. Uh, But in a case like that, especially when we have medical bills and there's some sort of health issue, I would probably go with a reverse mortgage just to relieve any type of, you know, financial pressure that there is off of the the borrowers. And the good thing with the reverse mortgage is you can have either lump sum or you can set it up like almost like an income. So absolutely. It's a very good product. I agree. We have another question actually for reverse mortgage. Hi, I have a property and I'm heading into retirement. My mortgage is paid, but can you speak about a reverse mortgage? And that's from Karen. So Karen, uh, reverse mortgage, basically what it is, very simply, uh, once you pass a certain age, and I believe they've dropped the age to 55, if I'm not mistaken. 55, but the younger you are, the smaller the mortgage. Exactly. The amount that you're going to be able to get out of that property. So the older you are, the more you're able to get out of it. So they will give you, let's call it, you know, 45, 50%, 55% of the value of your home. Uh, You get that money out, like Marav said, either in a lump sum or as a pension, if you will, an amount. As an income, yeah. As an income that comes in monthly. Um, And you never have to make a payment into that reverse mortgage for as long as you live in that home. Uh, If you ever decide to move out of the house or you sell the house, obviously you have to pay it back plus interest. Um, and don't forget, interest does compound. One, you know, it compounds on itself. So 
it is a good idea. I mean, if you have some disposable income, you could drop some money into that reverse mortgage every year, every couple of years, just to make sure that you're not paying interest on top of interest. But uh, yeah, it's a great product. And Karen, by all means, I mean, you can give me a call at the office and I'll be happy to sit down with you and, and go through all the numbers that you need to uh, to know, if you will. Yeah, we're getting a lot of questions about reverse mortgages in general. More and more, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Listen, it's... Uh... It's new times, new products. You have to uh, you have to see what's available for you out there. So we're pushing up against the clock, but I want you to talk about. You said snowball before, snowball method. Go for it. Really? Twenty seconds. No. And we'll continue it back after. <laughs> we'll we'll talk about it after the break because I do want to explain a little bit more in detail. Uh, if you don't own a property, there are ways of paying off your debts, and it's little strategies and tricks that you can use. And one of them is the snowball method. And you said it. You said snowball before, and as soon as you said it, I was like, let's talk about the snowball method, which I think is kind of kind of clever. When we come back, we're going to be looking at how to tackle the debt issue at its source. But first, we're off to a CTV News update. You're listening to The Real Estate Show with your real estate and mortgaging team, Terry Kalakos and Marav Marciano on CJAD 800. You're listening to The Real Estate Show, and today we're talking once again about debt consolidation and how to get out of debt faster. Feel free to call in with your questions to 514-790-0800, or you could text in to 514-800, and don't forget to write your name in the text just like Karen and Sharon and uh, Tommy did. So before... What's that? Yeah, (laughs) I I don't know. I had to give... Before we went uh, to the CTV news update, we started talking about the snowball effect. And I wanted you to share it. I, I, I thought that you could do it in like 20 seconds, but now no. you have like a whole like 10 minutes to talk about this. Exactly. That was that was my plan all along. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> no, you know what? Um, if you don't own real estate yeah. or even if you do own real estate and you just want to find a um, steady way of paying off debts, I personally like this method. So let's say you've got five different um, debts. I don't want to say credit cards because it could be different. Sure. Yeah. Um, loans, lines yeah, of credit, exactly. student loans. So yeah. you've got some smaller ones, some bigger ones, some with lower interest, some with higher interest. Now, some people recommend pay the one with the highest interest first. Now, the problem is if that high interest loan is $20,000 and it's really hard to come up with a big amount every month because you have to pay not just the minimum, you have to pay even more than the minimum. That's right. Then how are you supposed to ever catch that up? It just, it's discouraging. Yeah. So instead, the snowball method, you start with the smallest loan amount. Okay. So it's not the smallest interest and it's not, it has nothing to do with interest, smallest loan amount. So let's say you have a, uh, a credit card with $2,000 owing on it. You have another one with five, another one with 10, and another one with 20. You start with the $2,000 credit card. As you pay, you don't just pay the monthly uh, minimum. minimum. You pay the minimum on everything else, correct? On everything else, you pay the minimum. On that one, you pay the minimum and then some. Okay. So you really invest into that. And you pay off that uh, that card eventually. And now you just freed up that minimum monthly payment plus the extra that you were putting. That card can now be put to the side. It's at zero. 
that amount that you were using on that card, you now take it and you use it on the next card, the $5,000 card. So now you really are adding a lot of money every month. To that $5,000. To that $5,000 yep. credit card. Because now you took your minimum plus the extra that you were putting on the $2,000. You're using it now on the $5,000. You take those monthly payments, pay off that $5,000. Now you've got... You see how we're talking snowball? Right. Um, now people are going to... I don't get it. No, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and you do that all the way to the big one. Now when you get to the big one, you've yeah. got you know $2,000 available because you just released all those payments from all the other cards plus the extra. Now where do you get that extra? That's what people are always wondering. Uh, where do you get the extra? You know, it's it's one of the things, one of the questions that does come up very often. And one of the easiest things to do is sell things. You know, you can, you can get rid of, uh, uh, most of us have a ton of stuff mm -hmm. in the house. Uh, you know, we've, we've talked about how the storage business is one of the biggest businesses right now uh, in real estate. I mean, there's huge demand for it. Toronto, here, Vancouver, everywhere. Sell your stuff. Yeah. Sell what you don't need. Sell what you don't, you know, use that money to pay off your credit cards with it. Uh, you can get a, a side hustle, you know, so a little side job. Yeah, a little um, Uber driver. Uh, work from home. Yeah. yeah, there's no shame. Yeah, you, you can, know? I know people who uh, do transcripts. They, they listen to audio, they transcribe, yeah. they get paid by word. Absolutely. Um, But one of the really big ones also is you got to lower your expenses. And this is, it's sometimes easier. Um, sorry, there's a there's a text that came in regarding your snowball. Uh, the Dave Ramsey's uh, snowball method, uh, it works. And that's from Steve. So, Thank you, Steve. Um, yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I forgot what I was going to say. No, I forgot what I was <laughs> talking about. Lower your expenses. There you go. Lower your expenses. Yeah. yeah. So you lower your expenses. And now all of a sudden, let's say you free up a hundred bucks and it's easy. You know, you, you, you call Videotron, you call Bell, you call your cell phone provider. You see how, what you can do to, to change your structure. Sometimes even if you're having really a lot of issues, you can actually call your credit card companies and say, Hey, I need you know, a, a lower interest rate on my credit card for the next six months, one year, because of X reason. And they'll do it. They'll set you up properly so that you can make so that you can make sure that you, you have success in your in your debt payments, if you will. Yeah, and we even see it with uh, some mortgage uh, companies. They'll give you a mortgage holiday, yes, mortgage payment holiday. Absolutely. You say, I need a break, one, uh, you know, one payment, if you could just... I'm entitled to that one holiday. Is it one holiday per year or yes. per term? Per year. Yes. Uh, so, you know, there's there's little ways like that. But when you talk about lowering expenses, we've done it about 18, 20 years ago where yep. we said, okay, we gotta, we gotta take care of our stuff. And we literally did not eat in any restaurant, yeah. fast food, That's coffee right. shop, nothing for a year. Yeah. It was literally- uh, It was more than that. More but than yeah. a year. But yeah. I remember definitely a year, I remember that that was a big sacrifice because we used to have our daily, you know, Tim Hortons coffee and yep. McDonald's and and um, it was it was a sacrifice. But at the end of the day, it was thousands of dollars we were saving per month just in coffees and Egg McMuffins. <laughs> yeah. And my waist actually thanked me for it. We're actually- <laughs> 
I lost some weight doing it. But the most thing, the most important thing to remember, I mean, you can also sell your real estate, but I do believe that selling real estate, especially if it's investment properties, it should be the last thing that you do. It's the last thing that you do. Listen to me when mm -hmm. I'm saying this, because you don't want to kill your golden goose unless you have an investment property that's costing you money. Then in that case, if there's no way for you to increase its uh, cash flow, then at that point, maybe it would be a good idea to, to, to sell it. But if you have an investment property that's generating a, a, an income for you, don't sell it. That's a good point. We have seen people hold on to uh, real estate that was in a negative cash flow position. So definitely uh, that's something to look at possibly selling if uh, that's the situation or restructuring the way that you're collecting your revenues. Yeah. You Absolutely, know, that's an option too. Um, hi, I have uh, I have paid my debt of thirty thousand dollars from my refinance and closed all my credit cards, uh, but the card company told me to keep my credit uh, to keep my credit score up. I have to get another credit card. Is it true? And that's from David. David, it is one hundred percent correct. You need to have on your credit bureau at least two active trade lines. So, what is an active trade line? Uh, credit card, loan, line of credit, uh, car payments, mortgage, anything like that would be uh, active credit. You need to have at least two of them. And ideally, you should have at least two revolving credit cards. So revolving debts like a credit card or a line of credit that uh, has a minimum limit of at least $2,500. And why $2,500? Because it's a magic number as far as Equifax algorithms go. Plus, $2,500 is a large enough limit where you're not going to be, uh, how can I say it? You're, you're, you're not going to push up against that limit very easily. Mm -hmm. If you have a $1,000 limit because you're afraid that you're going to be spending, you're going to put gas a few times, especially now with gas prices the way that they are, <laughs> and you're going to end up uh, in a situation where you're all of a sudden going to be, you know, uh, over the... 60% utilization. If you're over the 60% utilization, now all of a sudden the uh, the credit card is actually working against you as opposed to working for you. So we're better off paying off credit cards and keeping them open, ideally. Ideally. To, and to keep that. That's right. And try and keep open any credit card that has a lot of history on it. So if you got a credit card last year and it's got a very small balance on it, uh, sorry, it's got a, you know, it's fairly young with not a lot of history. Okay, whatever, you can close that one. But the one that you had from your bank from 10 years ago, keep that one open. It's got a lot of information in there, and it, uh, it, it does wonders for your credit bureau. Up next, we're going to be discussing different credit options available if your credit is less than perfect. But first, we're off to the CJD Traffic Center. Thanks for tuning in. Today's show is part two of last week's talk about debt consolidation and uh, we have a really I, I love this text that just came in where would you wreck it has nothing to do with actually refinancing <laughs> but I, it's just it's in my wheelhouse so uh, where would you recommend in Montreal to buy an investment property okay texter who didn't put their name anywhere where you could make money okay? that's very precise <laughs> <laughs> Why am I saying this? Because I'm going to go back to myself. When I bought my first home, I lived in my land. When I was looking to buy an investment property, I only was focusing in my land 
Plateau and Outremont because that was my area. That's that's what I knew, right? Mm-hmm. And so I started looking in Outremont. I was looking in my land. But I mean, the real estate, even when I was 24 years old, it was untouchable, right? I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't afford that. And uh, I had a, a gentleman who was a real estate investor who says to me, what are you doing? Are you planning to buy this? Is this going to be your forever home that you're buying? And I said, no, I'm buying an investment property. He said, so why are you looking in areas that have already gone up in value? You need to go somewhere where you can make money, where you're able to cash flow. And that's when I decided to pick up the phone and call uh, the city of Montreal to find out which areas they were doing subsidies. Why did I do that? Because I wanted to see which areas were going to be the next ones to be gendrified. Where did I go? Hashalaga. So I bought my first building in Hashalaga, Mezonov. Now, keep in mind, when I was 24 years old, I had gone to English school my whole life. I grew up in a Greek household. My first language was Greek. My second one was English, even though I was born here. And you know what? I didn't speak a word of French, <laughs> like not a word. Now I speak French because Marav is Francophone. But back then, I didn't speak any French. And because I didn't speak any French, it was scary. But I did it because that's where it cash flowed. And I was able to buy a fourplex for $107,000. Now I still have it, and it's worth Yeah. Pushing it's a million. Over 20 years ago. Yeah. So um, you got to go anywhere where there's going to be money to be made. It might be in Lachine. It might be in LaSalle. It might be in Dorval. It might be in Hochelaga. It might be in Pointe au Tremble. You know, it could be anywhere. Mind you, real estate has really gone up in Pointe au Tremble as well. And it could even be off the island of Montreal. Yep, absolutely. You, you know, at go, the end of the day, yeah. it's a business. It doesn't have to be a five-minute drive. If you're going to go uh, pick up money... Uh, I think it's okay if you're going to have to drive 30 to 45 minutes and drive to Laval. It's not the end of the world. Exactly. And uh, we have another uh, question. Uh, this is coming from Facebook land. Uh, Christian is asking, do you need to have your mortgage paid off prior to using a reverse mortgage? No, you don't. You can actually use the proceeds from the reverse mortgage to pay off the mortgage that you have. So no, it doesn't have to be paid off. Perfect. But the reverse mortgage does have to pay off the what you know what you owe is in its entirety. Make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you could go up to fifty percent uh, loan versus the value of the property, then there needs to be enough money to pay off the old mortgage plus have a little bit left in your pocket. Yeah. So now, with respect to uh, overspending, yeah, we'll do like. I'm looking at solutions with respect to refinancing. If you have a property, you refinance, you pay it off. Yeah. Now, what's the important thing? Are you also uh, advising people on how to get rid of the problem at its source? Because at the end of the day, if you keep on uh, keeping that problem alive, then yeah. it's just going to come back, even if you... You need to identify what the source of the problem is before you can actually go in and fix a debt issue. Okay, and we've talked about this before. It could be a psychological problem where you're a compulsive compulsive overspender. And in that case, you can do what I did because I like fancy things, as everyone knows, much to my... See, my wife is... She doesn't <laughs> like... She likes fancy things too, but she's not going to go out and spend crazy amounts of money on it. But once upon a time, I did. And that was one of the reasons why... Uh, you know, I was young. I was irresponsible. Um, so what did I do? 
uh, I had actually, uh, it's funny because I did it and then I found out that it was in, in, in a movie, Confessions of a Shopaholic, I think that, that was the movie. Anyways, where the girl, she takes her, all her credit cards and she puts them in a tub and then puts that in the freezer and freezes. <laughs> so I, people that, that compulsively overspend, if you take your credit cards and you put them in a Ziploc bag, take a big Tupperware container, fill it halfway with water. Okay. These are like wise words here. Fill it halfway with water, freeze it, then take your credit cards, put them inside, put a little rock on top of it so it doesn't float the little the little bag. You have the whole process. Yeah, yeah. Then fill the rest of the, the container up with water, put it in your freezer, and let it freeze. What that's going to do is if you ever feel the need to go and buy something, you're going to have to take that out of the fridge, thaw it out, and then, you know, so that'll eliminate the, um, how can I say it, the immediate gratification. So you keep it as your rainy day fund or your freezing day fund. Yeah. As much as, as much as I hate to use uh, rainy day fund, yes, absolutely. But at the end of the day, um, we don't want to use our home as an ATM. So definitely, exactly. if we're going to refinance to fix a problem, we cannot allow this problem to come back. So yeah. whether it's overspending, whether it's um, not enough income, you know, sometimes it's as simple as my lifestyle cannot be supported by my income. So... Let's see where we could tweak that. Uh, is it that your kids are in private schools and it's very expensive? Is it that your home expenses are too high? Uh, you know, is it, do you have expensive tastes like Terry? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's really like, uh, you really have to analyze where the problem is so that you don't end up in the same situation because you cannot refinance every year and pay off your debts. It's just, it's something that you do once in a while. It's not something that's... A and, constant solution. And by the way, banks don't like that either, right? I mean, they don't like people that are constantly going in. They are going to look at it. So a customer that's going to come in and it's it happens every year where they're going into refinance. And it depends on actually what they're refinancing for. Let's say they're refinancing and they're putting that money in investments and they have good credit and they don't they don't have um, a lot of debt that they're uh, that they're carrying. No bank is going to refuse it. The refinance, I don't believe. Okay. Uh, but if you're constantly refinancing to pay off debt, you're going to have questions that are going to come up. And one of the main questions that the lenders have when this is happening often is there substance abuse problems, mm -hmm. which I get all the time. Uh, is there a gambling issue? So we need to, you know, you need to address these these issues before, you know, before you do anything that kind of goes... Um, you, before you go further, if you will. And the good thing is you put a plan in place because there are options for uh, for folks uh, who have gone through a bad time and it affected their credit. So we do have a plan in place, whether it's go through a private lender or alternative lender as a temporary solution until you fix the problem and end up with a traditional bank. Absolutely. Sorry, Steve Steve texted something here. So I'm, I am showing my age by talking about the freezer trick, okay? <laughs> um, does, uh, huh, does this credit card freezer trick come from the 90s? Laugh out loud. <laughs> Phone apps like Apple Pay and some, uh, Samsung Pay is all you need for all your cards. He's actually uh, right. <laughs> that will not work for tech-savvy people of today. Steve, you're partially correct because when you're tapping your credit card with Samsung Pay or with Apple Pay, there is a limit to how much you can actually tap. That's so true. you, at the end of the day, you do need to use your credit card for much 
larger purchases. But if you're at the point where you're freezing your credit cards, I would strongly suggest that you delete them also out of your Samsung Pay and your Apple Pay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And actually, this is a difference, Steve. If I do uh, a cash out refi, does the bank need to know what the cash is for? Uh, that's from a different Steve, by the way. I'm looking at the phone numbers here. That's interesting. Um, Terry? No, we don't know. Uh, the bank doesn't necessarily need to know what the cash is for unless it's it's a large amount of money. So if you're taking out, you know, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars, they're going to ask the question. We usually simply just say it's for investment purposes. Marav, we've run out of real estate. Yes, that's what I was trying to tell you. I know. If people want to get a hold of us, five one four six eight zero forty six seventy four or nordest.ca. Guys, till next week. Love you all. Have a blessed week. You're listening to The Real Estate Show with your real estate and mortgaging team, Terry Kalakos and Marav Marciano on CJAD 800.